Okay, so you've identified the mission or purpose, why your company or business unit department team exists. You've got a long-range target clarified. This is what success looks like over the next two or three years. You have annual key results, three to four things that at the end of the day, these are the most important metrics They define success. Everybody on the team or in the department or across the company knows what those things are. But what's next? As you work on scaling results, what's the next piece that you've got to get clarity and alignment around? It's your culture, the environment, the the climate, the mindset of people who work for you or work on the team. You've got to provide clarity around that. So this is part number four in the five-part series I'm doing on the things that leaders do that scale results. Let's go. Leadership is the ability to facilitate movement in others toward a destination you can describe. I'm Russ Hill. I help build leaders. And this is the Culture Hacks Podcast. Welcome into the Culture Hacks Podcast. I'm Russ Hill. I coach executives impact results. You can find out more at russhill.me or better yet, connect with me on LinkedIn. The link to do that is in the show notes. Okay, so we're going through five different things in this five-part series. I'm walking you through five things that leaders do in order to scale results. How do you take a group of people, whether it's 10 or 10,000, and get them aligned and moving in the same direction to scale results. Well, you do these five things. So if you're just landing in on this episode and you're like, well, what do you mean these five things? I'm just tuning in. You need to go back. You need to go back like three episodes. You'll see in the subject line, the title of the episode, part one, and uh, go back to that one a couple of three episodes ago, and then listen to these in order. So, and I want you to stand back. If you've listened to all the three, the, the three previous episodes that are part of this five-part series, and, and you're coming into this fourth one, I want you to think about how, how um, strong you appear as a leader. And I don't care whether you're leading a group at church, in a nonprofit, or in the business. If you're a mid-level manager, a frontline supervisor, you're new to leadership, you've got 30 years under your belt, you're CEO, you're whatever position you're in. Just think how strong you appear when you've got the mission and the, and the, and the purpose defined. You know what your team or what the company, what you guys are all, what, what you're trying to achieve. You've got the long-range target. You, people ask you, well, what are you all working for in the next couple of years? Well, it's this. You've got that on the tip of your tongue. It's already defined. Number three, you've got the key results identified, and people across your team know what those are. That Man, that makes you, like, you're stronger than 95% of the leaders out there. And and I just want you to step back for a second and realize how strong and how unique that makes you as you try to scale results. Now, in this part, we're going to go into the other side of business. All those three things that I've talked about previously, you could fit under the uh, the heading of strategy. They're all part of the strategic plan, the business plan. The, the, what I'm going to talk about in this episode is the other side, culture, climate, mindset, the way we think and act, the, the way people around here think. And this is the side well, 
I was going to say this is the side that most leaders neglect, but quite honestly, in my experience, one of the things that shocked me when I started traveling a lot and, and, and got in the consulting business nearly a decade ago and started working for the firm that I used to be at and traveling to these you know Fortune 500 companies, names that you would recognize, right? And I'm going into these biggest companies in the world. Not all of them were, you know, not all of our clients were that big, but most of them most of them, you know, were, were sizable in order to uh, afford what we were charging and to, to access our firm. And so you go in and I would be surprised at how many of these seasoned executives in well-established companies or fast-growing companies couldn't answer the questions about mission or long-range target or what's most important this year. What, 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 what are the two or three or four most important KPIs that you're tracking and and then they would the reason they'd hire us was because they needed alignment man we got we don't have alignment there's not enough accountability we need people working together they're not collaborating we don't have people speaking up there's too much blame going on all these things and and you know i was thinking when i first started doing this for a living i thought well yeah because you haven't defined any of these things you haven't created alignment it doesn't just happen you have to create it and as a leader, we have to make decisions about these things that we've been talking about in the previous uh, parts of this of this series. So then you move into culture, which most leaders have no experience being trained or skilled or educated in how to manage the mindset of a team. And and so what I'm going to what I'm going to suggest for you here is that once you've got clarity on the three things I've talked about previously in this series now you're ready to have to start having a conversation around culture or climate or environment or mindset all those words are interchangeable and um and and people use different words to describe the same thing and uh, so just know when it, if i use any of those i'm referring to the same thing and it is how do we need people to think and act or how do we need people to to operate if you will to show up in order for us to achieve that long range target and once you provide clarity on that long-range target, what's going to become really evident to you is we can't keep working the same way we always have and achieve the, the where I want to take the company or the department or the business unit. There have to be some shifts in the way that we think. You don't want to throw out the current culture or the way people are showing up. You got people who are doing a great job, right? But you also have challenges, and and so you need to identify those. And a lot of a lot of organizations in their hiring process, they hire on skill set, but they don't hire on cultural fit. And when I say that phrase, some people like the hair on their arm stands up and they go, whoa, 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 wait, you trying to hire people that all are cookie cutter, look and act and 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 think the same way. And you're trying to create a bunch of drones. No, not at all. In fact, some of the most diverse workforces all um, are aligned on showing up the same way from a cultural standpoint. Let me explain. So we were working with an organization a few years ago, fast-growing organization in the higher education space. I've talked about them in some previous episodes, just an organization I've been super impressed by. In fact, I was just emailing back and forth with one of the executives uh, who's a friend. And um, when we first started working with this organization, they had they had um, spent some time. Their board of directors. It's an organization with thousands of employees, and they so they're fairly large and growing like mad. And uh, and their board of directors really wanted some clarity on the long range plan. Where are we headed? So they they had done some work on that. The CEO and executive team, 
and 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 now they wanted to dig into culture or mindset and what we did with them is the same thing and lots of different organizations have different approaches what i've seen work most effective is that you identify four to six aspects of the way you need people to think and act in order to achieve your long-range target so for that organization what they needed I'll, i'll give you i'll give you a few examples they needed more trust like because of the speed at which they were growing decisions had to be made like on the fly like constantly they just had to make decisions because they were growing so fast from a customer standpoint or in their case students who were enrolled and from an employee standpoint so there's not time to debate a lot of stuff so many large organizations get bloated and it takes forever to make decisions. Well, this organization wasn't like that at all. They were they were moving fast. They were a disruptor in their industry, even though they were getting to be large. And and so decisions had to be made quick. Well, when you when you have an environment where decisions are being being made super fast, people sometimes get left out. Departments aren't consulted. They, their opinions aren't asked. And when that happens, when when you don't when you don't ask my perspective as a leader of this team, and you make a decision that affects us, well, it tends to break. It, it tends to create silos. The walls go up, and there's suspicion. And, uh, and, and the culture is negatively affected, right? I mean, some of you have seen this, some of you are living it right now. And so one of the things that the senior team identified is, oh, if we're going to, if we're going to be able to reach our long range target, we've got to have more trust in the organization. People have to assume positive intent. They've got to extend more trust rather than requiring or begging for more trust. And so they wrote, what you might call a guiding principle, a leadership principle, a cultural behavior, a some people call them values. I don't like that word because that sounds too big and timeless. And I like the I like the guiding principles, leadership principles, cultural uh, behaviors, cultural beliefs, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so one of the one of their seven cultural beliefs is what they called it was around um, trust generously. That's what it was called. Trust generously. And the definition that the senior team wrote out said something to the effect of, I extend um, trust and assume positive intent as we work together to achieve results or something like that. And those words, those verbs were really important. I extend trust and I assume positive intent. So when they're hiring a new executive to be on the executive team, they're thinking, does this person trust generously? Could they? Would they? Can they give us examples in the interview process, where they've done that in their existing organization. You see, once you start to define the culture you need, you can use that in hiring, in interviewing, in onboarding, in promoting, in performance improvement plans all over the place. That becomes really, really critical. Um, another one of their of their kind of guiding principles or cultural behaviors at this organization that I'm referring to was around putting the student first. I can't remember what the title of it was, but it, it was all about we, we've got to consider the, the impact of everything we do on the student because they were having too many decisions that were made with an internal focus, like on employees and departments. And instead of thinking, well, how does this affect the student? Um, years ago, when we first started working with Amazon, you know, Jeff Bezos and, and the S team at, um, at, uh, at Amazon, when, the, when they really started scaling from an employee count, 
uh, and really growing that organization, they wrote 14 leadership principles, which I've talked about over the years in, in different episodes. You can Google Amazon leadership principles. You'll see that, in fact, they just recently added a new one in the last year, uh, which is a big deal in their culture. But they hire people. They interview. They they talk all the time. You can't go to a meeting at Amazon without hearing those leadership principles come up naturally and organically in conversations. So the leadership team is telling people they've identified and defined how they need people to think and act in order to grow. Okay. Does that make sense? In order for the organization to grow. And so in your company or in your department or your team or business unit, I want you to think about who's managing the culture, who's managing the mindset. Have you identified how people think here? Like, do we put the customer first or the patient or the member first? What does that look like? Give me a definition of what that looks like. Do we, do we collaborate? Like, and, and, and how important is that? And what does it look like? How important is speaking up and being open and honest and asking for feedback? How important is accountability and, and taking accountability for the right things and not getting caught up blaming others? How important is being bold and innovative and offering ideas and taking informed risks? These are some of the things that I've, I've heard over and over and over again, come up in these conversations around mindset in, in the organizations that I've, I've had the chance to work with over the years. So as a leader, you've got to think who's managing the culture are the frontline employees. Like, like if I just joined your company and I came to work here and I asked a colleague, so I'm, I'm day two on the job and I'm, you know, I'm getting a cup of coffee or a water bottle or whatever. And I'm asking a colleague, Hey, how do things work around here? What do they tell me? Like, have we had that conversation? How things work around here? Does the company tell, well, here's how things work around here. We trust generously. We put the student first. We take accountability or in, in Amazon's case, we have a bias for action. We lean toward here as, a, as an Amazonian, you're expected to take bold risks, to make decisions. We can undo that later. That's what Amazon tells people in their culture. So it provides kind of cover and, and clarity around how we need people to think. Far too often, leaders don't define this. They put together a strategic plan and then go execute. Chick-fil-A doesn't, doesn't leave the, the culture or the mindset for chance. They train on this. They, they hire, they interview based on mindset. Is this somebody who would put the customer first? Is this somebody who's a people person or w- would be super friendly? Would they pay attention to detail? Would they collaborate Southwest airlines when they're interviewing a pilot? Of course, they're going to interview the pilot. Thank goodness on skill set. Like how many flight hours do you have? What experience can you run the controls? That's obviously incredibly important. The safety of the plane and the passengers. And they also interview that prospective pilot employee on culture. Is this the kind of person who would push a wheelchair down a jet bridge and help a, a passenger get into their seat? Could they joke around with flight attendants or are they better? Like, do they have this kind of holier than thou or arrogant attitude and wouldn't be willing to interact with passengers at Amazon? They think about, well, is this an innovative person, someone who's demonstrated over their career, the ability to take risks 
at Nordstrom, how customer focused is this? You, you get the idea as you go through these companies that are really good at defining their the mindset and the culture. You go to other organizations. Do you think they're interviewing for culture at McDonald's? No, there's no. You don't have any consistent experience. One McDonald's, and I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to pick on McDonald's. You could pick a lot of different companies and put them into this category where you have such different experiences. This one, the drive through is 58 hours long. They, they treat you like jerks as a customer. And that one it, it, it tends to be customer focused, but they're, they're not really hiring for that, interviewing for it. There's no consistency in experience where at Southwest Airlines, Chick-fil-A, even Delta to a large part. And there are exceptions, you all. Everybody has bad experiences and they hire bad apples and people have bad days. So none of these companies are perfect, but you have a lot more consistency because you have leaders who have created clarity and alignment around what they need the mindset to be of people in their organization. So let me take a step back. And you as a leader, if you're looking to scale your company, your business unit, your department, your team, you want, number one, the first thing we talked about, purpose and mission are defined. Number two, you've got a long-range target. You've identified where we're taking the team, what success looks like in the next two to three years. You've identified the three to four most important metrics that define success this year, this calendar or fiscal year. These are the things that matter most. Now, in part four here, what I'm trying to get you to do is get clarity around what's the mindset we need on this team. Just think, oh my gosh, think how powerful that is when you as a leader have identified that. And again, on, on the how to do that, what I would do is take the long range target and I would, I would sit down as the leader and I would start brainstorming what, how do we need people to think and write down some statements and then go to your leadership team or some other people that you, that you work with closely, get their input. And now you're going to have a list of like 15 or 20 things. One is going to be about the customer. Another one's going to be about trust. One's going to be about accountability. One's going to be about collaboration. One's going to be about innovation. You're going to have this whole list. This is how we need people to think. And then once you've got that list of 15 or 20 things, you circle the, the four to six that are most important because you can't hire people based on 20 things. You can't actively talk about 20 things and you can't expect your team members to remember 15 different aspects of your culture. So you narrow that list down to like four or six things. This is how people around here think. And if they think and act this way, if that's their mindset, then we're going we're gonna to be able to achieve. We're going to accelerate our movement toward our long range target. Now you've identified culture and mindset and the desired environment, right? And what I would encourage you to do, what I've seen be super effective over the years um, is put a title, like two or three words with a verb in it, trust generously, be bold, take accountability, um, seek feedback, whatever it might be. I, I, I would put a two or three word title that's got a strong verb in it and then a sentence to define it. And, and those would be, those would be our four to six guiding principles or leadership principles or whatever you want them to be. Okay, so that's part four. In the next episode, the last episode in this five-part series, we're going to get into your leadership team. When I work with leaders who scale results, there are things that they do in the way they hire, they interact, they delegate, they, they promote, they think about, use that the people around them, 
the leaders, the leaders that they've they they've hired and put around them. If you don't have, if you aren't doing that the right way, there's no way you can scale results uh, on your team or in your department or in your company. So, part five in the next episode, we're digging into your leadership team. Some mistakes that are common that I see people make that I want you to avoid, and some things I want you to think about that leaders typically, in my experience are on the top at the top of their 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 priorities or their their mindset as they're hiring or interacting with that leadership team. This is critical to you scaling results, okay? So, part 4 is in the books. Next part 5, the last part about your leadership team. If you're listening to these episodes and thinking, I need these people. I think these people, whether colleagues, friends, coworkers, whatever, um, who could benefit from listening to this five-part series, will you do me a favor? Just text them the link or or um, send, them, send them a link to one of the episodes. Whatever app you're using, you'll see an arrow or something, some option to be able to text a link to, uh, to, this, to this series. I would appreciate it. Okay, hope you're all healthy. Hope you're doing well. And I am so grateful and so appreciative of each and every one of you, not just for listening to this podcast, which is cool. It's really, really cool to have people around the world tuning in to each of these episodes. I, I, I want to express gratitude, not only for you doing that, which is meaningful to me because I, I hope I'm bringing value to you, but I also want to express appreciation to you for leading, for having made the decision to try to lead other people. It is not easy. And there are lots of setbacks and lots of challenges and there are people dispute your ideas and there's drama and there's just, there's just a lot of challenges that go with leading people. It it puts a spotlight on your weaknesses, on the rough parts of your personality, on, on lots of different things. People do, anytime you make a decision, people disagree with it. Right. And, and so you can't make decisions. You can't be a good leader and not have people that not, not create some challenges not have people pushing back or challenging you or poking at things or bringing up how you need to change. And so I just want to express appreciation to all of you. I don't do this often enough for being a leader and, and for being willing to hold the flag and to walk out front and to make decisions and to try different things. And I, I just hope, I hope that you feel the benefits of that. And I hope you realize that it's it's helping you grow in so many ways. It's making you a better person. It's helping you um, soften the rougher parts of your personality. There's so many benefits to leadership. And I just want to express appreciation while I'm thinking about it for the leaders um, out there in companies, churches, nonprofits, families everywhere. We don't, we, the world needs more leaders, good leaders and I appreciate you trying to become one. I'm sure you already are and to sharpen those skills. So hope you're healthy. Hope you're doing well. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Are you getting my emails as well? Every week, I'm writing an article designed to strengthen your ability to lead others. Are you seeing these? If you're not, join the more than 5,000 people who are reading them. They've subscribed for free. Just go to RussHill.me. Start getting those weekly leadership articles at Russhill, my name, dot M-E. At that site, by the way, you can also learn more about my online courses and coaching sprints if you've got interest in that as well. Russhill.me. Russhill.me.